Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. The slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Good morning to all the truth seekers out there. Thank you for being with me on this beautiful sun Saturday morning here in the ATL. I got a returning special guest, uh, who's basically a regular uh, uh, guest at this point. I don't even know if I call you a guest anymore, uh, Baba Amin <laughs> Mamu Ojuwo. Thank you, King, for being with us. Uh, if you will, say hello to the, all the truth seekers. This morning is going to just be you and me, brother. We're going to handle this one. But, again, uh, say hello. Give people a little bit of your background before I, I break out this morning's discussion question for the uh, truth seekers out there listening. All right, all right. You know, uh, peace and power, mental dialogue, you know what I'm saying, the mental dialogue show. Uh, I love taking part in these dialogues. I love it when 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 my brother Montoya calls me and, and invites me to come on. And, and so uh, I'm excited to be here. Just finished a little workout, getting the blood pump. You know, at my age, got to get that blood pumping. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, health is great. Hey, your health is great as well. Absolutely. Love it, King. I say, I say, I say. So we're getting that blood pumping, man, and we're ready to have a powerful discussion. For those who don't know, my name is Baba Amin Ojuwo. I am the co-founder, along with my beautiful wife, Nkoyo Ojuwo, of the Uhuru Academy. We're an independent, African-centered uh, institution of learning. We're celebrating our 10th year. Shout out to the whole Uhuru Academy village of parents, families, staff, and volunteers, and supporters. Um, I'm a proud husband and father of eight beautiful African children, um, and I love my people, and I think that's good. And shout out to Fort Worth, Funkatown, Texas, my hometown. Hey, I love it, King. Again, thanks for being with us. Congratulations on a decade of doing your thing. For anybody out there to yes, listen, you're going to... Give, yeah, we're going to let you know how you can get access to the amazing Uhuru Academy. Uh, we just to hi- highlight this before we, even before we jump into this morning's show. I just had a, one of you, uh, I guess one of your staff members, or I don't know if she still is, but just so happened to have her on the show without knowing that prior to inviting her. So that was a cool six <laughs> degrees of separation to highlight. Yeah. She was on my show, Big It Up, 
everything that the who who Academy does because her children have went through this you know this amazing program of yours and uh, she couldn't I stop said. talking about it and uh, you know we had I an said. amazing show but she had to interrupt it to say let me tell y'all how good this Academy this a who Academy is so it was wow. a pretty uh, nice know, cool moment just before it to happen happenstance yeah. you know what I mean for me not to know that and, she was that directly connected yeah. to you. Yeah, and, and, and it's crazy, and you talk about Mama Oshun, who is our STEM coordinator. You know, and we say is, you know, whether whether uh, we say once a part of a Hoover Academy, always a part, you know, and, and which is one of the reasons why we are uh, as aggressive as we are when it comes to uh, building our school and, and fundraising and that sort of thing, because we encounter some amazing Africans with some amazing gifts that, that, that corporate America don't deserve, <laughs> that should be only hey, I love it. You know what I'm saying? I love it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, so, like I said, that was just level, man. Yeah, and a yeah. STEM coordinator, parent, longtime parent, uh, with the Uhura Academy, and that was just powerful. She told me she was coming on the show. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I, I found out me. live on the uh, show. Of course, I haven't even caught it yet because I haven't had a moment. Because when I catch it, I want to be able to sit down and listen. I understand. To it, digest it. Nah, I understand. Yeah, she did a thing. She did a thing, and. I, yeah, no, I respect yeah. that. You know, plus I know you hot and heavy in summer school. And again, we're gonna let the listeners know about that. But without further yeah. ado, let's get into this morning's discussion question. I'm gonna introduce it before right. we go to our first break. Uh, MLK, Martin Luther King, and nonviolence, pacifist or revolutionary? Uh, you know, we mm. always do our shows in the form of a question. If it's your first time listening, uh, again, I go by Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates. In a sense, a small attempt to take the Socratic method at whatever issue that we're dealing with. I always say, if we ask the right questions, maybe we'll get to the right answers. And um, okay. I thought it was very appropriate with everything that is, uh, you know, has ex- transpired over the last month or so. Uh, you know, this. Martin Luther King name all was getting a vote by by both political sides, if you will. This is nothing of you know no surprise. But when you know we had the yeah. you know in a sense the protest slash riots, you know whatever you choose to call them or both, uh, his name was being invoked uh, quite a you know quite a lot. And um, I reached out uh-huh. to you and I says, you know, Bob, I mean, man, let's 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 set the record straight. Let's figure out exactly what was going on with MLK. And before we go real okay. deep, what I always like to do to start it out is a very simple, before we go to our first break again, and just me and you in the saddle this morning, but a very simple, right. when you heard or saw that this is the way I was wording the question, if you can recall just your initial, your very initial thought without even going any deeper, uh, what was the first thought that came to your mind? And again, we'll break down, you know, your other thoughts after the break, but just what crossed mm-hmm. your mind when I first asked this question? Um, just the, the, our, our tendency to oversimplify because it makes things easy for us. So, so that was our our tendency to kind of oversimplify a person, oversimplify an institution, you know, uh, because maybe there are certain aspects about that, that institution or way to look, ways to look at it that make people uncomfortable. So, so, so when I first saw this question, it was like, okay, yeah, this is one that makes people, this, this is one that makes people think. And it's okay, especially when you come in with love and respect, to analyze. This is, I believe this is what our ancestors would want, to, to look at, analyze, and learn from their experiences. Absolutely. Uh, I love, um, again, not surprised 
that your initial thought would be that in depth. Again, you not only are you an educator, uh, but again, just in passing <laughs> and even seeing things that you've, you know, following you on social media, seeing some things you've said about King and, and you know, just mm-hmm. watching you. And I said, you know what, Baba means the perfect person to discuss this because where I do agree with you, if I'll give my little initial thought on my own question, if you will, uh, where I absolutely mm-hmm. agree with you, um, that tendency to simplify is, you know, we both know, especially you as an educator, it's kind of human nature. Uh, we, you know, we like okay. to, our mind likes to work linear. And so in order to work linear, you have okay. to kind of, you know, you don't, you don't go too in depth. You just want a straight line to mm-hmm. here's how I mm-hmm. think of something. And so, you know, again, yeah. posing this question in this manner, some people out there may feel, uh, that King is a pacifist, if you will, a pacifist. Uh, some may out, may may, re- may feel like he's a revolutionary, uh, but what I will, what I do know, and I think you will agree, we'll go to a break and come back and discuss this more. But the one thing that we do know is there is a watering down the further and further away we get from that legacy. There's snippets that are absolutely pulled uh, to kind of show and paint a picture that. I think we both would agree is absolutely unfair. Mm-hmm. And just as you said, mm-hmm. uh, the tendency to simplify, well, on this show, we're going to get complicated with it. And it's not about, if you're okay. out there listening, it's not a really a matter of the way, again, as Bob Amin said, so so eloquently said, our, our motto is all I ask is that you think. So we hopefully will give you, the you, the listeners, and hopefully some of y'all may call in, but hopefully we'll give y'all some things to think about uh, in reference to, as Baba means, beautifully said, we're not going to simplify this man because at the end of the day, MLK doesn't reach that status of, uh, you know, the, well, I think what it was about maybe a couple of years ago, he was voted the greatest American mm-hmm. or something to that effect, even though kind yeah. of publicly, if you will. But you don't reach that status uh, simply by being a simple man, if you will. So I'll use, I'll use your term, okay. if you will. We're going to go to a quick break, and we come back from this break, we're going to get hot and heavy into this morning's discussion question, MLK and nonviolence, pacifist or revolutionary? You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, but all I ask is that you think. I say. Peace and power, y'all. This is Baba Ami Oji Woke Up the Uhuru Academy. Malcolm X said that education was our passport to the future, but tomorrow belongs to the people who prepare for it today. Whether the Uhuru Academy Online Summer School is a live, interactive, online experience for youth ages 6 to 16, where they learn life skills, where they engage in academic enrichment, where they engage in, in cultural enrichment via our Sankofa for Success African History Program, life skills through chess, vision development, and entrepreneurship. I'm talking about action-packed. I'm talking about fun, informative, and interactive. A lot is going on right now. We need to be focusing on solutions. And our children, our children are going to inherit these challenges. Let's get them ready. Enrolling them in the Uhura Academy Online Summer School is one way to do it. In my opinion, the most effective way. Visit UhuraAcademy.com right now for more information. I'll see y'all this summer. I would like for all of us to believe in nonviolence, but I'm here to say tonight that if every Negro in the United States turns against nonviolence, I'm going to stand up as a lone voice and say this is the wrong way. Mm. 
I will never change uh, in my basic idea that nonviolence is the most potent weapon available to the Negro in his struggle for freedom and justice. I think for the Negro to turn to violence would be both impractical and immoral. The majority of Negroes still feel that the best way to deal with the dilemma that we face in this country is uh, through nonviolent resistance. I think we've got to see that a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the economic plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. The mood of the Negro community now is one of urgency, one of saying that we aren't going to wait, that we've got to have our freedom. We've waited too long. So that uh, I would say that every summer we are going to have this kind of vigorous protest. My hope is that it will be nonviolent. I would hope that we can avoid riots because riots are self-defeating and socially destructive. I would hope that we can avoid riots, but that we will be as militant and as determined next summer. And Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, my mm. special guest, Baba Amin Ojuwok from the Huru Academy. Our discussion question this morning yes, is MLK and nonviolence, pacifist or, or revolutionary, as you just hear came from his own words, describing it himself. Uh, I love, again, what you said, Baba Amin, from the idea that we tend to simplify. And so as I listen to that cut, here's some words that stood out to me. And I, I, as an educator, I'm pretty sure you could dig into these. Uh, again, just in me listening, and you can give your own thoughts on the cut as well. But the words that stood out to me, uh, again, was today we typically kind of say, you know, we know that MLK, in a sense, advocated for nonviolence. We hear his words himself, but in him in describing those words, I heard him say a few things. Um, and I want to hear your thoughts on it, but I heard him say the most potent weapon. I heard him say nonviolence resistance. I heard him say militant action that I hope continues yeah. into next summer. So for any of y'all out there listening mm-hmm. that's out there doing your thing, uh, you, you hear me, MLK, say we're going to continue this thing until we get what we want. At least that's how I heard that. Uh-huh. But in that, with that said, Bob, I mean, um, again, if you could peel back, again, these are additional words that, again, that now starts to complicate uh, the, the simplified mm-hmm. version that we hear because, again, when I hear yeah. a potent weapon, I don't think people think mm-hmm. of nonviolence as a potent weapon. So any, any thoughts on King describing mm-hmm. his strategy or his thought process in that manner, if you will? Okay. Yes. Um, I think that, that we have issue with the definition, many of us, uh, particularly those of us who consider ourselves revolutionaries or consider ourselves non-pacifists, if you will, um, is our narrow definition of nonviolence and what it triggers when we hear that word. When we hear the word nonviolence, we think and we you see an image of a, of, of a young man, a black man at a city in getting coffee and, and milk poured on, spat on. You're seeing uh, dogs being sicked on, on black women and black children uh, because they're having a peaceful march. Uh, uh, and you're saying, no, nonviolence, that ain't me, right? And, and, but I think what we need to do is kind of broaden our definition to understand that nonviolence is a powerful weapon, but there is more than one means of nonviolence, nonviolence resistance. 
You know what I'm saying? Uh, especially if you're taking your definition of violence to mean physical violence alone. Some could say that violence is or any radical change in something is a violent change, right? And, 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 and so, for example, uh, the economic boycotting is considered nonviolent, right? Mm-hmm. Yet it is a very effective form of resistance. You hit them in the pocket and, you, and, and, and changes can be made. NCAA scared that all these little black athletes are about to start going, are going to start an HBCU movement because they understand the transfer of dollars that's going to happen when they do that. Right. They're not killing nobody. They're not being violent. But when a, when, a, when the number one prospect in the country says, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm, uh, uh, number five prospect says, I'm going to go to Howard. So right. That's a radical change. That's Absolutely. a radical change. And one that 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 could have some some serious economic impact, you know. And so when we look at that, there are more means of fighting. There are just as many means of fighting nonviolently as there are of fighting violence. And some could argue that some of the nonviolent means would be more effective because everything's about timing. Calculus is calculating change over time. Everything is about timing. Very few wars start on the battlefield. Most start in the office. Most start, most start via communication with education, right? So, so very, few, very few wars, if any, actually begin or end on the battlefield. So we have this narrow view of violence and even a narrow, narrower view of nonviolence. This, you know, it says violence, violence is when you defend yourself and nonviolence is when you don't. And that's that's just we if we can't operate off of that definition and truly understand what Dr. King was talking about. No, absolutely. And to be you know, and you and I'll I'm gonna share some of King's words later in the show, but just the fact that you just said it, yeah, like you said, the idea of non violence is not even defense. And you know, and you'll hear MLK again when I share these words simply say, you know, defense defense of oneself is absolutely natural. So he's it's never been you know, never been not to defend yourself. Um, mm-hmm. If you will, because again, it was a strategy, uh, you know, and, and although we hear him, you know, adamantly say, you know, just to be fair to King, he says, you know, if every Negro in the country stood against it, he would stand for it. But his it, mm-hmm. again, is extremely strategic. Um, you being, for example, yeah. an African-centered education ed- educator, if you will, um, mm-hmm. I know you would mm-hmm. absolutely call the miseducation of our children a very violent act um, when you start talking very about broadening, you know, broadening that, broadening that um, definition of understanding violence and not having such a narrow that just puts it in a black and white. And as you said, you mm-hmm. see those uh, those pictures or views of the civil rights movement or those uh, protesters being harmed and your natural visceral action is, no, no, I couldn't do that. So it's a quite understandable that people would fall there or whatever. But as yeah. you said, and what we're doing here is broadening, broadening that definition because the things we're talking about yes. are the context. And that's what often people yeah. lack. And it's not to blame anyone, but that's what our job today in this discussion is to bring more context. Go ahead, King. I'm sorry if I was cutting you off. Oh, no, sir. No, sir. I was giving you props. <laughs> okay. I didn't know you were trying to jump I, in. My I, bad. I, I was just making sure I, 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 yeah, I, I was making sure I was letting I you should. jump in. Yeah, no, man. I had to throw a couple of eyes your way, brother. That's all that was. No, nah, it's all good. I, okay. I didn't, I, I, yeah, I didn't know if I was uh, letting you not jump in no, there sir. or whatever. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, like I say, given that context, 
uh, or like I'll give you, I think leading up to this couple of weeks, mm-hmm. I remember seeing a friend who was actually surprised that, you know, there was a small period, not a long period, just, you know, again, at least the race on the way that I've been able to research. There was a small period yeah. in which um, Dr. King himself, you know, carried a pistol. And um, a friend of mine was surprised okay. to hear that. And, and, and I wasn't surprised at all because I have always, or I should say always, I mean, that's not fair. Uh, you know, a lot of times we do that, mm-hmm. right? We forget when we had, when we didn't, we didn't know ourselves, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so, uh, and so, yeah, with that said, yeah. Can you hear, can you hear me in another voice or just me right now? I hear something on my phone. I'm just checking. I just hear you, but uh, I had, I had my phone on speaker. Maybe I was causing an echo. No, I'm just, yeah, I activated, excuse me, y'all. I've activated something on my phone. Forgive me for a second. <laughs> yeah, all that high tech stuff you got over there, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting yeah, too high tech, man. You know me. Just, <laughs> nah, it's all good. So anyway, when I was, um, let me see if I can yes. find my train of thought. It threw me off. So I apologize. Uh, but anyway, yeah. well, um, oh yeah, you he know, was surprised to find that out. And uh-huh. and mm-hmm. and for me, having studied a lot about King, going a lot deeper. It was not a surprise to me. Now, he later disavowed and stopped caring it, just kind of based on his personal beliefs or whatever. But um, that aside, even during the period he carried it, it was no surprise to me because I had, when I dug in and finally understood this was a strategic move, and everybody didn't agree mm-hmm. with it, and we'll get into different thoughts. So I'm going to play a cut by Stokely Carmichael, who eventually, you know, I definitely say. divided with King, who spent some time with him, Absolutely. right, but eventually divided on mm-hmm. that concept. So we're going to, as always on Mental Dialogue, we're going to deal with it on both ends. But, again, mm-hmm. just to further explain that this was a strategic strategy, and let me throw this out and get your thoughts yeah. on this as well, that, um, mm-hmm. you know, he absolutely – study Mahatma Gandhi, if you will, and, I, and, and you uh-huh. know, we now know in 2020 we, we understand that, you know, Gandhi didn't necessarily care for blacks, and that's the truth. Uh, but I think sometimes we convolute, you know, one, Absolutely. we take that narrow definition of nonviolence, right, then find, mm-hmm. also find out Gandhi didn't care for blacks, and we just disavow everything <laughs> to the extent that we don't go learn the context. Like, <laughs> yes. we just put those two things together uh-huh. and be like, oh, nah, that ain't me, uh-huh. and we done with it. We done with it, so, you yeah. know what I mean. And, but here's the harm, in, in my opinion, Bob. I mean, the harm is mm-hmm. for those of us that are doing that. We didn't let our youth now only receive the propagandized version of MLK uh-huh. because we I haven't say. dug into I it say. to give I them say. the correct I history, say. and they only uh-huh. learn about uh-huh. the pacifist uh-huh. MLK because that's the propaganda right. would that's make right. you think that's all he is. Yeah. Go ahead, Ken. Yeah. And then ML, and then and then they've effectively propped MLK up as the buffer, as a as a posthuman uh, a litmus test for for whether or not you're doing good or you're doing bad. But white people love to jump out, even racist white people. They love to jump. Yeah, all of them racist to me, but they love to jump out and say uh, 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 Dr. King wouldn't have approved of that. Dr. King wouldn't have approved, you know. And am I still with you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yo, no, I'm loving that. Okay, cool, that's a, cool. Yeah, I would have so let you finish it out because, because, I, 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 yeah, and because they control the to, narrative. To, yeah. Right. Yeah, you know, I'm just saying because, because they control the narrative, that's what's being fed to our children, right? And it's almost like that's the, the barometer of what moral behavior or the moral response to racism is this narrative that they painted to doc, about Dr. King, you know. And, and so you, you're absolutely correct. That's why education is so paramount in everything that we do. 
No, absolutely. And I'll say for anybody out there, because what happens is for our generation and above, uh, you know, and, and, and some a little younger than me, I'm, I would make it clear I'm 47, so I'm not acting like I'm super old or anything. Uh, but I, I, I like to clarify that, again, to me, why this show is worth it. So, for example, I mm-hmm. love to clarify that for our generation, when we hear, you know, in a sense, MLK used in that manner because that's definitely just using him, right? That has nothing to do mm-hmm. with what he stood for or what he was about, right? He's just being used, like you said, kind of as a barometer to say, ah, 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 you need to act like MLK. Yeah. Like, that's exactly how it was used yeah. in the propaganda. And so for our generation, we understand that that's how it's being used, but I will go further to say our mistake is in that we don't really correct it for our children, in, okay. and for the most part. I'm not saying every parent is out there doing it, but for the most part, when, you know, me being an after-school instructor and things of that nature, if I when mm-hmm. I venture mm-hmm. to uh, ask the kids what do they know, it's definitely the sanitized, yeah. watered-down version of the at-at-at. Like, that's the version of yeah. okay yeah. that they're learning. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, being, I'm, I'm saying, I'm kind of, I know I've already said it, but I'm saying it again to stress mm-hmm that we in our generation, especially if you have children, nieces and nephews, we have an obligation for MLK not to be watered down. We have an obligation not for to yeah. our children that they don't that they don't get stuck right. with the watered down propagandized right. version of MLK. Right. And That's so right. I'm I'm That's I'm right. stressing that anybody that hears this show, it's time to get on your job. In, in in a sense, because we're going to continue to peel MLK back. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're doing on this yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, and, and but I want to start yeah. uh, with how important mm-hmm. it is. Go ahead, brother. Yeah. Now I'm saying, because that's the thing, you know, they were, that's what I love about that generation, you know, that, that civil rights generation, you know, there were compelling arguments against Dr. King's strategies, uh, many of his strategies, right? Particularly the nonviolent protest strategy, the sit-in strategy, right? The march strategy. Compelling arguments against that, compelling arguments against the integration strategy, which have borne fruit, by the way. Like, like all the anti-integrationists of the 50s and 60s have been vindicated. It's 60 years later, and our schools are more segregated today than they were in the 1950s. But anyway, that's a whole, nother, whole other deal. So they were, there are compelling arguments that you can make against many of Dr. King's and SELC's strategies. But there are also some very effective things that they did as well. You know, I can't think of an, another group uh, that has been more effective in getting black people to participate in mass boycotts since Dr. King, mass economic boycotts. Dr. King and his crew used to travel the country and fight for consumer rights for black people. Uh, they were engaged in black business development. You know, the only issue was that when those economics were being developed, it was a lot of black people who were planning to move out to the suburbs and take that wealth out of the black community in the name of integration. No, absolutely. The and, and let me even, they put into place were, were valid. But go ahead. No, absolutely. I want to even add context mm-hmm. to something you said, um, even to, um, to under, again, to dig into MLK and what he was about. Uh, even in reference to, um, in a sense, you mentioned the idea of integrating into the schools. Like people, most people don't know this, and again, I'm not saying this as as, as as if people should. That's what again, that's what the job of the show is, if you will. But most people don't know that MLK Martin Luther King literally advocated for a period of 
temporary segregation. It was no secret that he was an integrationist, right? Like there's no secret. So I'm not going to I'm not going to give people bad history here or whatever. Most, in my opinion, if you have bad history, it's just because you haven't looked into it. Especially when it comes to to, to this man who has volumes of books written, and of course you can form your own opinions. But what I'm telling you now is directly from Martin Luther King saying advocating for temporary segregation from his perspective and the reason that he did it for especially if somebody's never heard that that this is something that MLK advocated for but the main reason he advocated for was the idea of our children being integrated into school systems without power that's what, and that's it. This is mm-hmm. these are his words mm-hmm. being integrated yeah. into because yeah. that's what and he was kind of saying this as it had happened so he was like that's not the goal mm-hmm. here to integrate you know, and and the, and the children lose sight of themselves by being integrated mm-hmm. into the school system without power. The idea is to be integrated with power, and so without it, or mm-hmm. uh, if it's going to cause mm-hmm. that issue, I would recommend while we're figuring this integration thing out, a period of temporary segregation. And again, it's just sharing something that, again, if you haven't dug into his history, you would never know that MLK. Yeah you know, said such a thing, if you will, right? So, you know, just kind of putting that out there. Yeah, we are, we actually up against the break. We got a caller out there. If you want to get in, you do have to press one um, to let us know that you want to speak. We will definitely open up the phone lines on this morning's discussion question. Um, we're going to go to a, a quick cut from Joe Bleeds from one of our sponsors, Square Business Entertainment. His brother is dropping a new project, so we're going to play a quick cut, quick snippet from a new song of his called Bet on Myself, Joe Bleeds, and then we'll come back with another cut from MLK. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue okay. Talk Show, but all I ask is that you think. Remember that VV around me. Tweaky that BF around me. My mind elevating, don't kill my vibration. I'm not in the same place you found me. Look at my drip, I'm drowning. They say I'm it, how I'm clowning. I'm penny wide when I'm counting. Interest gonna keep on compounding. Bleeds on the beat, they compounding. If I did the beat, it'd be bouncing. I'm telling you twice, come holler at me now, because I'm not going to be cheap when you find me. I got on my knees and I tightened my belt. I needed the game and I got it myself. I hollered my partners, I got me some help. We split up the profits and bet on ourselves. You ain't one of us. 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 Nonviolent movement was tested in places like Birmingham, Alabama. William Bell is the city's current mayor. During that period of time, you had people who were being murdered, homes being bombed, churches being bombed, and there was a sense that nothing would ever change here in, in Birmingham or the South. There was a sense that evil would, would prevail. In 1965, a march for voting rights in Selma, Alabama, went down in history as Bloody Sunday. Congressman John Lewis led the march. They came toward us, beating us with nightsticks, tramping us with horses, releasing the tear gas. I was hit in the head by a state trooper with a nightstick. I had a concussion at the bridge. I thought I was going to die. Andrew Young, one of King's closest aides, called for calm against the backdrop of outrage. If we had started guerrilla warfare in America's cities, if we had given in to terrorism, we could not have won. 
but America could not have survived. In Birmingham, images of police using attack dogs and fire hoses to disperse protesting schoolchildren were broadcast around the world. Attorney Richard Cohen on the impact of those pictures. The violence was being perpetrated by the oppressors, not the oppressed, and that was an incredibly powerful message. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest Baba Amin Ojuwo of the Uhuru Academy. This morning's discussion question, MLK and nonviolence, pacifist or revolutionary? Baba Amin, we actually got a caller that wants to get in. Um, let me get a, a quick thought on the cut, and then I'll go to the caller. A quick thought from just kind of what you heard. And, again, it's just starting to basically peel back and start to describe. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that cut, at least what I just mentioned, what I heard, I thought I heard, was the idea of that some of what King was done was considered effective and I think in 2020, mm-hmm. um, and you've already mentioned that some of it was effective, I think in 2020 we get so dismissive that we don't see any aspects of it effective. Um, you're, again, any further yeah. thoughts on that before we go to the caller? Just that, uh, you know, we have to learn now to kind of eat the fish and throw away the bones, uh, uh, to kind of uh, learn what's relevant to today and, and learn how to utilize it and not vilify our ancestors to the point to where we stop learning and stop studying. Um, I just want to point out on that cut, though, too, I think that narrator, that sounded like Andrew Young, yep, if I'm not was. mistaken. Yep, and and, and he, made, he made a statement that we can't engage in guerrilla warfare. We would have lost. I want to point out that I'm not in, I'm not, I'm not in agreement with that. And, and the only reason why I'm not in agreement with that statement, uh, uh, I'm not going to argue whether or not we would have won or lost, but the mentality to assume that you will. Guerrilla war, there have been successful guerrilla wars in, in, throughout history. You know, Haiti was a successful uprising, right? And I would venture to say that it's the mentality. It's when you see Goliath or see your, your, your enemy as, as infallible, as invincible, as, as unstoppable, you defeat yourself before you even start. And I guarantee you that attitude don't just, don't, doesn't just apply when we're talking about physical warfare. We have that attitude when it comes to economic warfare. We had that attitude. Many of us had an attitude when it comes to education warfare, and it leads to a just fight for what you think they will give us without hurting us type of mentality. And I think there's some validity in what you're no, saying. Yeah, I think there's some validity in what you're saying. My challenge on the quote-unquote tactical, physical side of it, again, like you said, when we get, if we're going to be all <laughs> all-encompassing and expanding the definition where, you know, again, people may narrow it to that, but as we've already said, we're not talking about just the physical portion, if you will, physical fighting. Uh, Mm -hmm. But in that regards, uh, I am of the mindset that when you look at the history of the world, in a sense, uh, the guerrilla warfare has definitely won in places. Um, I personally challenge that thought. And, and uh, I would say I would tend to agree with Andrew Young from a tactical standpoint in reference to, at least from my studies, the type of governments that have been able to be toppled, um, in, you know, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said, not for you and I to, you know, give a full-out debate, but that's what, you you know, that's what mental dialogue is for. You know, again, we, I love mm-hmm. the fact that you're, you know, questioning, uh, you know, Andrew Young. I just met him a, a few weeks ago. So, you know, you know that type of thing, this is, that's the beauty of dialogue, right? Like you're not attacking mm-hmm. Andrew Young. 
um, you know, to mention no, that, you know, no, whatsoever. No, Utmost respect for Andrew Young. Not attacking him at all. I, I, what, I, what I'm attacking is that the the decision that that would be a wise that wouldn't be a wise choice is just purely a tactical decision and not a decision that's influenced by black inferior a black inferiority complex or influenced by the myth of white supremacy. No, absolutely, and I and I would be now. That's where you and I would agree. I definitely don't want. I I, I oppose it coming from, if, yeah, from that inferior mindset that, as you that, said, yeah, creeps into so many. Yeah, into so many. Yeah, I know. Of course, I know exactly where you're going with. It. And again, that's where mm-hmm. I definitely. That's my agreement, and where I say you're valid at is at least in my opinion. And again, we don't have to completely agree on this, but that's where I'm. I'm a hundred percent with you because it creeps in in so many ways, right? Uh, you know, but you know, when but here's my but. Uh, when I, you know, even MLK says uh, it's not practical. You know, any other strategy is not practical. Having studied the man, you know, in practicality, that was him taking a in his in his concern a valid assessment of our situation, uh, even to the you know to, even to the extent uh, of saying, if for example for those who wanted to extend riots into something valid, if you will, uh, his, his assessment was uh, something that uh, President Johnson even said, I think after one of the riots, to the extent that, uh, you know, that in reality you're looking at 10 to 1 in, in reference to, you know, population per se. Uh, you know, and now, you know, you know, I think that was said. I don't know if that was the reality at the time. Now it's about 4.5 to 1 if you're going to reduce it to, uh, you know, whites and blacks. And again, that's just me, my, the military in me, you know, the military man in me, in a sense of, you know, considering, in a sense, how mm-hmm. practical that is, in a sense of not just the population, but MLK went on in, in me studying and reading about him, just because this is the beauty mm-hmm. of Martin Luther King. He was always open to the discussions of those who disagree with him. And so some of this dialogue mm-hmm. that I'm, you know, sharing and digging up his history is him you know, in a sense, having a back and forth and a willingness to engage in dialogue, something that we, you know, in a sense, don't do as much now as we used to, if you will, right? And so I want Mm -hmm. people to understand that even the things I'm digging out quite often came in dialogue with King, you know, with uh, uh, Stokely Carmichael, with those who disagree with him and willing to kind of put forth his side. And that's the thing, that's one thing that Mm -hmm. I love, in my opinion, the most about that period of time, at least it seemed like it, or, you know, hey, even I maybe ran up romanticizing this, but they were, in a sense, there was there was willing willingness to engage in mm-hmm. what's the best path. And even though we didn't all, you know, it was always, you know, there was these different divides, there was still was a willingness to engage in that, whereas I think now this concept, we always talk about this term now, I think cancel culture has gotten to the point where there's not even a willingness to engage and hear, in a sense, what the other side, you know, might say. So even back to, for example, the practicality of, okay. uh, if you if you will, taking riots and turning them into more. Um, so not only is it, you know, just to throw this out, and I want to definitely want to hear your thoughts on this, but not only is it the four mm-hmm. and a half times population even in 2020, but you're also talking about a, 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 a government that's well financed and backed by, you know, arms that that you know when you look at other revolutionary revolutions that have been successful, uh, it is a lot of times it is a, a government going to a place and trying to 
you know, trying to at least having to travel and create logistics to get to a location to compete uh, when it has been, uh, in a sense, governments uh, that have, when they've been toppled within themselves, there's a level of typically, in my opinion, that from what I've researched, is typically uh, a level of this, uh, this, 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 the government's not that stable. And so, uh, and, and there's a, there ends up being an arm race within the, you know, within the government. And, of course, the guerrillas, if you will, they're never armed as well as the government, if you will, uh, but armed well enough uh, to where they can't just be, you know, overran in the sense of, you know, at least how I would see things tactically when it comes to this. Again, uh, just my thoughts, but I'll let you, you know, kind of give me your thoughts on it from that standpoint. Again, just to have the dialogue because people need to hear that kind of stuff. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, when you played that clip of Dr. King in the beginning of the show, towards the, the last clip, you played a clip uh, uh, where he was responding to uh, rioting. And Dr. King was very clever in that while he may have said, you know, he, he didn't like rioting, he, was also, he also made a point, but this is what you're going to get if you don't listen to this. This is what you're going to get if, you, if, if this economic equity, this equity that I'm talking about ain't, ain't, ain't put into place. This is what you're going to get. Yeah, you know, uh, so King, what, he didn't come out and just, just blast black people for rebelling how they rebel, right? Exactly. Or, or people, you know, he didn't do that. He came out and he leveraged it. And, and, and what King was effective in doing, the same thing that Harriet Tubman was effective at doing it, and William and Ellen Craft were effective at doing during slavery. They understood the power of causing or facilitating war between white people. They caused cultural wars inside of America among white people, one that, that, that had a lot to do with the Civil War, and then, then, then again it happened in the Civil Rights Movement uh, uh, with, with King and uh, like with them, uh, the marches being on TV and people seeing the images. Da, 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 da. It not only brought black people out of the woodwork, it brought corporate, corporate America out of the woodwork, uh, uh, the whole nine yards, and you started seeing that, that, that now white folks, two groups of white people are now fighting each other. It's not just us fighting white folks. It's two groups, one fighting for a certain type of racism, another fighting for another type of racism. When you look at today with the rebellions that went on or the riots that went on, you know, it also brought out the dissatisfied white people. But now you got a generation of dissatisfied white people similar to the one that the Black Panthers and them ran into in the late 60s and early 70s, that when they come out, these white youth coming out, they want to blow stuff up. And complete anarchy, right? <laughs> yeah. See, 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 see that's, that's the thing. So, so you know, when, when white people riot after their hockey team wins the championship, that's a riot. Absolutely. When we get out and start burning things down, that's not the same as what the white people was doing after the hockey game. The context is different. The emotion around it is different. And it's truly a people crying out, be it a misguided cry, whatever you want to call it, they're truly crying out for justice. So it's different. Absolutely. And it, and it calls, no, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, but you have to have that balance. If, if King didn't have a Malcolm 
or, or if there weren't other organizations saying, okay, y'all don't want to listen to Dr. King. We over here, though, in the cut. We know y'all don't want problems with us either. Yeah, you can crush us physically, but you really don't want this smoke. You scared of me when I'm not scared of you. And you're scared how I can finesse your children. And you, you notice when white, when, when white supremacists come after us, they say, you're not going to take over our country. You're not going to take over our country. How can an all-powerful people be so afraid of losing something, you know, that, that, that they – They're all-powerful. That's, 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 that's a beautiful thought. To us. That's a beautiful thought. They that's a beautiful that thought. That we're going to take over. So what is it that they see that we don't see? Now these are strong thoughts, Bob. I mean, as I as I listen to you, like the th- some certain things you were pointing out, um, I'll even say just to, just to mention this in the cuts before we go to the next break. Um, you even heard Andrew Young say, and it, it falls right in line to even again while you disagree with this portion, even he said we couldn't we we would lose, but mm-hmm. America couldn't survive it. Even he mm. said that, and then. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? He said, he said if we uh-huh. engaged in guerrilla warfare, we would lose, but America could not survive it. And so, survive. you know, so he's basically saying you would, it would destroy the country if this, you know, 10, I think about 10% at that time, we're 13% now, but we're about 10% of the country at that time. And so, you know, even that was his assessment. And then you're absolutely right about King, even at the end of that one mm-hmm. quote that we played, he said, you know, while I don't think riots lead to things, um, you know, that we need to do, he kept saying, and again, like you said, he was intelligent. He kept saying, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope. He said it several times. He said, I hope it doesn't uh-huh. come to that. He, that's, that's very intentional for those who think this man is a pacifist and not thinking about his strategy, like you said, that option being on the table. King wasn't opposed to it, even if he disagreed with it, and he definitely didn't wow. come out like people are doing today, as you said. And I've been on this for the last month. Stop denouncing these kids. If King didn't do it, what do we? You know, and that's me holding up his his. You know what I'm saying? The way they hold a standard up to us, right? Mm-hmm. I turned it around on mm-hmm. our people and said, if he didn't do it, I I use it. Hey, if King handled it this way, what do we look like handling it any other way? You know what I mean? So I guess I took it and reversed it to to challenge those who were just coming out and denouncing. We are up against the break. You're listening yeah. to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and T-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most It's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. 
Now, let us begin with the modern period of, I guess we could start with 1956 for our generation. This was the beginning of the rise of Dr. Martin Luther King. Dr. King decided that in Montgomery, Alabama, black people had to pay the same prices on the buses as did white people, but we had to sit in the back. And we could only sit in the back if every available seat was taken by a white person. If a white person was standing, a black person could not sit. So Dr. King and his associates got together and said, this is inhuman. We will boycott your bus system. Now understand what a boycott is. A boycott is a passive act. It is the most passive political act that anyone can commit, a boycott. Because what the boycott was doing was simply saying, we will not ride your buses. No sort of antagonism. He was not even verbally violent. He was peaceful. Dr. King's policy was that nonviolence would achieve the gains for black people in the United States. His major assumption was that if you are nonviolent, if you suffer, your opponent will see your suffering and will be moved to change his heart. That's very good. He only made one fallacious assumption. In order for nonviolence to work, your opponent must have a conscience. The United States has none. Has none. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest, Baba Amin Ojuwoke. This morning's discussion question, MLK and nonviolence, pacifist or revolutionary, as you hear Kwame Tour, a.k.a. Stokely Carmichael, give his assessment of a 10-year period uh, of Dr. King's effort. Uh, just to give a little more context on Stokely, uh, he was definitely one of the leaders in SNCC, uh, student nun, um, Violent Coalition, um, I think I'm leaving out one of the C's, but he was definitely a key member of that and walked along King a a, a big portion of the way and eventually kind of went a different direction um, in in a sense, uh, being in a sense the younger generation of that time went in a different direction uh, because he didn't continue to agree with that strategy. So, again, they definitely dialogued King and Stokely went back and forth behind closed doors quite often in reference to uh, the change in SNCC, if you will, again, again, giving some context. So as we hear this differing mm-hmm. opinion of that time period, uh, Bob, I mean, what, what, what stands out to you uh, when you hear that cut from a Kwame tool? Number one, you're seeing an excellent student, an excellent student of, of the movement, an excellent student of 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 that time period give an analysis <laughs> based on facts of a strategy that he felt like was flawed and he and he was spot on Carl Michael wasn't speaking from anger Kwame Ture wasn't speaking from anger he was speaking from experience he had walked alongside these men and he said the the the, the fallacy was assuming that the United States had a conscience, right? And, and again, that statement was vindicated because how did the United States ultimately deal with Dr. King? The United States ultimately killed Dr. King violently. 
And I say the United States killed Dr. King because they, they watched Dr. King, they monitored Dr. King, and I believe they created the atmosphere for him to be killed. As a matter of fact, I believe the courts actually agreed with the family of Dr. King that the United States was implicit in his murder. That is true. So, so that is true. He's spot, he's spot on. And, and, and just imagine how people looked at that. Two things you, you could take away from that during that time. And, I, and shout out to Dr. A, one of our beautiful elders here at the Hoover Academy that lived through this, you know. That was a reminder to people that we are dealing with an, a place that doesn't have a conscience. Because you know, you know black folks didn't think some individual named Earl, Lee, Earl, John, Earl Ray killed Dr. King. Everybody understood that it was something bigger afoot. And that was that message that, you know what, we're not fighting racism. We're not fighting the South. We're fighting the United States of America for equality. That's the enemy, not hate, not prejudice. But when it comes down to it, we're in a battle against what some would say is our own country. Strong words. Uh, for the caller that just got in, uh, if you want to get in on this discussion, press 1. Uh, I've seen one caller <laughs> jumping in and out, maybe a first-time caller. Uh, you just got to bear through bit well with me, get through the commercials, we will get you on. So if you're out there trying to get in, uh, please call in. The number to get in is 646-787-1691. You do have to press 1. Again, if you are that caller that was jumping in and out, I was about to come to you both times that you got out. So I don't know if you're still out there listening, but just try it again. Call back in. Press 1. Um, a couple of calls that are on the line, y'all may just be enjoying yourselves. Not a problem, but I just want to make it clear uh, for first-time listeners, you do have to, once you get on the call, you have to press 1 to let us know you actually want to speak. Um uh, okay, there it is. Matter of fact, that's the call I've been trying to get on. We got them coming right to you right now. Area code five zero one last three five seven one. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Five seven one. You've been trying to get in. I got you. You live. Five oh. I'm sorry. Yep. Can you hear me? Yes. Yep, you're yep, you're live. Go ahead. Yeah, you're live on the air. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Hey, my name is Haley Lair. I'm calling from Little Rock, Arkansas. I um just enjoying the conversation. Okay, super cool, super cool. Yeah, did you want to get in on it? Cause just so you know. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Go ahead and talk, Bob. Me and somebody you know. Go ahead. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Please, Haley. You can't just. We can't let a young powerful scholar like Haley Lair. Uh, uh, chime in. I don't at least say peace to Haley, and I'll shout her out with a criminal justice major in uh, Dean's <laughs> list. Self. I will shout her out. Okay, it it, it uh, uh, she's actually uh, one of our uh, interns this summer uh, with the Hula Academy, and um, we're excited to have Haley on and having having Haley with us. So uh, Haley, thank you for listening in this morning. You know, we got class later on today. Yes, sir. <laughs> I got you. I was uh, oh, just writing perfect. down some notes from you all's conversation and whatnot. And I uh I see that y'all have spoke on how MLK realized that they was that we were basically marching into a burning building. I see. I see. Oh, that's a good thought. Matter of fact, let's peel that thought back. I'm gonna uh thank you for calling in. I'm actually gonna leave you on. If anybody else wants to get on, make sure you press one. I'm gonna leave you on because I, I want to peel back what you just said. 
uh, and, and give you more, at least the context that I understand. Uh, I, I know Baba Amin has context on that particular comment that you just made. And so, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, mm-hmm. we have an uh, intern and a student with an opportunity to learn. Let's do it live on the air. I, I love that about this, this, you know, this opportunity, this platform, and the, the brilliant listeners out there because y'all make the platform. And, again, you know, Haley, you don't have to speak on it, but I want you to hear some context. And, and if you want to give us a thought after, you know, me and Baba talk, please do. Again, I'm not going to make uh-huh. you talk. Uh, but, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just want to throw it's out when you say, oh, no, can you go ahead. No, no, I know it. I know it, but I want to leave you on just in case because I'm going to add a little context to what you just said, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what you might think about it. Again, I'm not going to force you to say anything, but the idea of what you just brought about, the idea of, you know, in a sense, bringing us into that burning bi- building to give context if anybody's uh-huh. having or, or, or not familiar with that quote, if you will. Um, this is a period in which MLK is in a deep reflective period. Uh, it's not too long before he passed away, if you will. I don't remember if this quote was said prior to his last book, uh, which I think it was because uh, I, I definitely recommend people um, read the last book. Um, well, I mean, you can probably say the name of it. It won't come to my mind right now. Uh, but I definitely tell people in reference to learning who Dr. King is, you have to read that last book because now he's at a period where he's reflective and he's thought about strategies that have, you know, that have taken place up until this point. Um, the Civil Rights Act has been passed. But this, what Haley's re- referencing is a thought that he had one day where he, he said to, uh, and, and, and I, I think it was Andrew Young and, uh, I know definitely it was Harry Belafonte. I don't know if Andrew Young was there. But Harry Belafonte, he said, I fear that I've brought my people into a burning house in reference to integration, and that's what Haley's referring to. Yes. Now, the context I would like to add and how I've studied it, and I would love to get your opinion on this, Baba, I mean, is okay. um, I think people, in my opinion, they, I think they simplify it and take it a little bit out of context uh, because one thing, just to give the facts, at least how I've studied King, it, he, he never was, in a sense, against integration. But what he had realized uh-huh. was the civil rights that he had fought for was not enough. There was not enough economic backing for the strategy to be as effective. So that's what he was, in a sense, rethinking. And the burning house to him was, so we've gotten gotten these certain things, but they're all Mm -hmm. for naught if we don't have the economics. So it wasn't King saying, Uh just to give context to who he is, it wasn't King saying he was against integration. He was kind of thinking back to we have to, we don't have enough to be integrated at this point. That's how I took that yeah. comment, Bob. I mean, any thoughts from you in reference mm-hmm. to how you've yeah. understood? I don't know if you've been, you know, I mean, we learned it from Harry Belafonte writing about King telling us this. It's the only reason we even know about it. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you, you know, mm-hmm. kind of read it in full mm-hmm. context, but that's yeah. how I took it. Your thoughts on it, King? Well, you know, and I believe that quote was also a reference, uh, uh, like I said, was later in King's life, um, and 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 his frustration at that time was coming from the blowback that he was receiving because he was speaking out against the uh, the war machine, Vietnam the war. American war, you know, and Vietnam War in particular, but American foreign policy and American American economic policy, you know, what I'm saying to be specific. You know what I'm saying, and 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 in seeing a, a, a unwillingness for this capitalist system to budge in the least in in, in eradicating poverty for anybody, for any group, 
<laughs> Especially right. our group. Right. And, 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 and so we're integrating into a burning house. What he understood, too, is that a system like that is doomed to fail. Gotcha. Capitalism not is really not built to last. So, so, so that I think that's that's what that's what really drove that quote because even in his last book, and I believe that was the one, uh, where do we go from here? He's yeah, arguing against. Thing. Yeah, he's arguing against a black separatist type movement, right? But at the same time, you know, he's reflecting that, you know what, I, I'm arguing against us separate, but I, I'm afraid that, that we may have integrated us into a ship that's going down. Remember Dr. Yeah, King was, then was I, on I, I, I matter of fact, we're at the top of the hour. Now, those are strong thoughts, but it made okay. me think of yes, one time, I remember I got pulled to an event here in Atlanta real quick before we go to the break, um, where mm-hmm. it, it, it was uh, kind of, a, I guess, a Republican-led event. And, I, you know, and if anybody knows me, I'm a political independent, so this is not me taking a shot one side mm-hmm. or the other. It was just this was the event. And so they love to highlight, you know, the history of King, in a sense, being a Republican at that time, which was pretty normal, you know, early on um, before, before the transition took place. So they love to highlight it. But I remember sharing with them thoughts that he had in that book, and they were shocked in the room because I'm like, if you technically mm-hmm. look at what he wrote in that book, King pretty much – own the fact that he was becoming a socialist, and I'm not saying which way. I, I'm, I'm a, I consider myself a revolutionary capitalist, so I, I, I still, quote unquote, personally, am a fan of it. But if I'm gonna be fair to Dr. King, in that last book, he was pretty much becoming a socialist, which is the last thing a Republican would ever want to hear. So it just made me think of that when you mentioned that. We are up against the break. Eight one seven five zero three. We'll get to you coming out of the break. All I ask is that you think. Here's another cut from Joe Bleeze. Just dropped a new release. This is a single all day long from Square Business Entertainment. We'll be right back. All day long. All I see is everybody perfect when I'm scrolling through my phone. Seems like all they want. Just a bunch of bragging people acting like they get it, but they don't. It's true. What am I supposed to do? I feel like I'm overdue. Worked a couple lifetimes. I feel like I'm over two. Feel like I got more to do. I know I ain't done yet. Handle what you supposed to do. Gotta teach my son. It's a blessing in the sunrise. Wake up and return it. I just hope that you can learn that before the sun sets. Cause when the morning comes. Right back to the basics. 
blocking and tackling, taking angles in pursuit of my happiness and embracing my nappiness. It's Wakanda forever, had us under the weather, sick and tired of the pressure, always gotta be fresher, always gotta be extra, everybody is special. Social media training, if you're speaking the language, all day long. Weeks after the march on Washington, tragedy struck here in Birmingham after a bomb exploded beneath the 16th Street Baptist Church during Sunday school classes. Four young girls were killed and 23 others were injured. It was an awful blow for Dr. King and the civil rights movement. Shirley Gavin Floyd, a friend of one of the victims, was traumatized by the hate killings. I was scared to look at a white person. I was scared to go anywhere I thought a white person was because I really believed that that could easily happen to me. Many blacks wanted to retaliate, among them Congressman Bobby Rush, who in the 1960s was a member of the militant group known as the Black Panthers. I was not a supporter of Dr. King. I thought that Dr. King was too milquetoast, too passive, uh, and I didn't understand the power of nonviolence. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest Baba Amin. This morning's discussion question, MLK and nonviolence, pacifists or revolutionaries. We hear, and again, again, cuts from people talking about that time, explicitly experiencing how much fear the 16th Street bombing put in, in, into her and how she was traumatized. We hear a congressman at the time, Bobby Rush, uh, saying, hey, he was part of the Black Panthers. He thought King was pacifist, pa- a pacifist, but then comes back and says, I didn't understand the power of nonviolence. Uh, I don't know exactly what the brother means, considering um, his background, but I, I, I assume he, he had come to understand after the fact some some idea. And King always advocated uh, nonviolence from the standpoint of it being a as we heard earlier, a potent weapon, and he thought it very powerful considering uh, the circumstances. So um, definitely want to peel that back. We actually got another caller. So let's go to the caller, uh, Bob, I mean, and I'll get your thoughts on that cut as well. Okay. Area code 817-3503. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Yeah, this flying saucer called Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> hey, what's up, Flying Saucer? You, when you come through, it's about to get real. What you got for us, King? <laughs> I ain't got too much, man. Got a little hangover, but I'm listening and learning. I'm <laughs> <laughs> <Not> sure. <sighs> I'm, I'm, down, I'm down with MLK. He was a good dude. You know what I'm saying? He loved black people. He had courage. You know, uh, if you love black people, I'm with you. And when you love black people, you move on what you know. He moved on what he knew how to do. Some people agree. Some people disagree. That's cool. We ain't tripping. It is what it is, man. Hey, love That's it. Thanks for the listen to. Now, I appreciate you. Go ahead, Bob. I mean, you got anything for, for our man, Sly nah, Saucer, calling coming I through? I was giving Sly Saucer a black power. Yeah, I love it. Black power, love brother. It. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Now that's real key. That's real key. What my man talking mm-hmm. about, and that's the and that's the mm-hmm. concept. Like even let me throw this out. Yes, the Zalaw platform is found on the concept. Um, just to even shoot this out there, um, uh, I have a favorite quote from my hero Malcolm uh, Malcolm X, if you will. 
Uh, he said, okay. you know, never confuse the method with the objective. And that's what I heard from a, a, a you know, a, a, a one Ricky Ross flying saucer, if you will. That's what I heard in that cut is in the sense of yeah. uh, that man, there's no doubt that that man loved us. If you will, that's that's ne- yeah. that can never come in question. He lost his life, sacrificed his life, uh, put up with, you know. For example, again, when you learn the history, put up with a, on the average forty death threats via mm-hmm. the phone. Changed the name mm-hmm. plenty of times. Would tell Coretta mm-hmm. stop picking up the phone. I'm forty. Mm-hmm. Like I can't imagine getting forty calls for something I want. Bye bye me. I'm talking about I can yeah. want for yeah. like I want I like like every call could be money. I probably would be cool with it, but I might get tired of the phone ringing if every call yeah. was, let's say, two dollars, right? Like, okay, I had, I got, I got, you know what I mean? I got, I got sixty dollars a day. I don't need that last twenty. Can y'all stop calling me? And, and I'm being facetious here to really yeah. put in perspective a man who, whether you agree with the strategy and and I and, and I offer those like a Stokely Carmichael or a a congressman mm-hmm. Bobby Rush who experienced the time, uh, you know, their critique. I would offer is much more valid than our linear romanticized version of uh, we don't mess with King now. Again, as we said in the beginning, you haven't dug into the history, but I want to put in context 40 death threat calls on average. That's not a number that's yeah. made up. That was average. Yeah. Um, so, so when, when, you know, when Ricky Ross says, Hey, that man loved us and he moved on what he know. That's something that should mm-hmm. never be, in my opinion, looked down upon. Yeah. And I think we do that and lose sight of that because we don't know what that man experienced. Go ahead, King. Right. And we have to understand that when you weaponize, when, when our struggle becomes weaponized by one group of white folks that want to take power from another group of white folks, we usually don't win. In the end, we're not going to win in the end because those two groups are going to make a compromise that's going to leave us with a whole lot less than what we came to the table with. And that's what Malcolm understood when he told, when he said that forced, and he said, the white man come and voluntarily put his arm around me, that's brotherhood. He said, but but if you got to put a gun to his head, if you got to pass laws and, and, and threaten to put him in jail and overtax him and all that to make him include me, that's hypocrisy. You're making him be a hypocrite. You're making him be one thing that he's not. And you're holding a letter of law against him. Well, that's not going to bring brotherhood. That's going to bring resentment. No, absolutely right. I mean, absolutely right. And to even think um, the period that that, um, Haley brought to the table in the last, in the top of the last hour, even to bringing that back up to a, to a certain extent, you know, we always talk about even for those you know for again for those of us who study King, what we, what we also talk about mm-hmm. is the point in which they took his life, if you will, right? And it wasn't the only attempt wow. on his life, if you will. But as you said, that wasn't as you said uh, Earl Ray, right? That was the United States doing, right? And, and so one uh-huh. thing that we love to highlight is at that point it was. King said, let's go after the economics. Like when he said, we're coming to Washington, cut the check. We're we're that's, that, like that's, a mm-hmm. has, that's becoming a new hashtag right now in 2020, mm-hmm. but most mm-hmm. people don't know mm-hmm. that King was going back to Washington with the Poor People's Campaign, and he said those words, mm-hmm. when we come back, cut the check. Mm-hmm. Cut and what the does check. And so, what do capitalists call, what does capitalists call a check cut? Uh, uh, what, does, wait a minute, what do capitalists call money? that's meant to empower the poor. They call that socialism. That's what they call it. 
And he, they and he wanted to again, knowing that we in an education system that's all about simplification. They oversimplify the definition of socialism to say that means we got to share. And <laughs> 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 we ain't we don't want that. That uh, uh, we don't want that. They oversimplify it. They don't say that you know what you can have aspects of you can have socialist programs inside of a system that practices economic capitalism. That you know we can build a hybrid. That it doesn't have to all be one thing or the other. They don't say master all these systems to figure out what's the best system for us all. They just say no, this system good, this system bad, and you have to either be this system. Or that system. Either or. You can't master both systems and make them work together. You can't even explore that. One has to die can't even explore in order it. for the other one to live. Either or. So as soon as, the, yeah, as, soon as Dr. King said, yeah, because in his last book, he talked about creating a, a party, an independent mm-hmm. social party that mm-hmm. worked with all parties. Basically, kind of like a political action committee for the working class. Exactly. Exactly. That worked across parties. That wasn't party affiliated. It was a sound plan. But guess what it was condemned as? That's socialist. Because they know ain't nobody finna go to league to see how socialist that actually is or isn't. It's just different from what we're doing. So it must be what? Socialist. That's a trigger word. And and it's the propaganda of how you destroy mm-hmm. uh, and change a narrative mm-hmm. because we can't mm-hmm. do this show and we got about a minute, about a couple minutes, but we'll dig into it before we go to this break. But we can't do this show mm-hmm. to even remind people today of how much King was hated, mm-hmm. how much he was mm-hmm. hated. Right. And, and, and we and, right. and because he's propped up under the propaganda that we hear now, under these narratives that don't tell the full story, we, we look at mm-hmm. the America loves Dr. King now, right? But we understand mm-hmm. that is a driven, propagandized version without realizing mm-hmm. the truth was this man was hated. And really, at that time, he was a pariah to a certain degree, even in our own community, because there were plenty in our community that never respected King meeting with Johnson because of Johnson's history. Yeah. I mean, are we expected to believe that James Earl Ray knew exactly what room Dr. King was going to be in and, and, and knew <laughs> what, 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 what room to rent adjacent to get the perfect shot and, and knew that, that King, you think he just stayed there on that all, all day, aiming a gun and, and just hoped that King came out on the balcony? It were people standing right next to Dr. King that had betrayed Dr. King. Dr. King's own organization betrayed him because he kept evolving. The Dr. King we learn about, and even the Dr. King that actually was at 35, wasn't going to be the same Dr. King at 45, had he been able to make it to 45, had he made it to 55. Remember, remember, the greatest, the staunchest integrationist of the 20th century was W.E.B. Du Bois. Okay? He started out NAACP, Ivy League education, Rennett Garvey, 
went at Booker T, just, just boom, boom, and just, just really railed against American racism and lack of inclusion, da, 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 da. And at the end of the day, he denounced his U.S. citizenship and moved it. And down. left the whole damn country. We all up against the break. Beautiful example, King. <laughs> listening to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show, well, all I ask is that you think we'll be right back. Peace and power, y'all. This is Baba Amin Ojibok of the Uhura Academy. Malcolm X said that education was our passport to the future, but tomorrow belongs to the people who prepare for it today. Well, the Uhura Academy Online Summer School is a live, interactive, online experience for youth ages 6 to 16, where they learn life skills, where they engage in academic enrichment, where they engage in, in cultural enrichment via our Sankofa for Success African History Program, life skills through chess, vision development, and entrepreneurship. I'm talking about action-packed. I'm talking about fun, informative, and interactive. A lot is going on right now. We need to be focusing on solutions. And our children, our children are going to inherit these challenges. Let's get them ready. Enrolling them in the Uhura Academy Online Summer School is one way to do it. In my opinion, the most effective way. Visit UhuraAcademy.com right now for more information. I'll see y'all this summer. The job of arousing manhood within a people that have been taught for so many centuries that they are nobody is not easy. So they very skillfully uh, made you and me hate our African identity. Maybe the English language should be reconstructed so that teachers will not be forced to teach the Negro child 60 ways to despise himself and thereby perpetuate his false sense of inferiority. And in hating our features and our skin and our blood, why we had to end up hating ourselves. It made us feel inferior. We must no longer be ashamed of being black. We should own and operate and control the economy of our community. And once you and I go into business, we own and operate at least the businesses in our community, what we will be doing is developing a situation wherein we will actually be able to create employment for the people in the community. We hope to build housing from Mississippi to North Carolina using Negro workmen, Negro architects, Negro attorneys, and Negro financial institutions throughout. And with millions and millions of dollars in income coming to the Negro community. Now another basic challenge is to discover how to organize our strength into economic and political power. Whenever you find a man who's in a position to show power against power, then that man is respected. But you can take a man who has power and love him all the rest of your life. You won't get anything out of it. What is needed is a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. The only thing power respects is power. There is nothing wrong with power. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest Baba Amin Ojawoke, 
this morning's discussion question, MLK and nonviolence, pacifist or revolutionary? Baba Amin, I think uh, where you were going prior to this break is perfect. Cannot do this show uh, without discussing a one Malcolm X, right? Uh, these brothers are so intertwined in our historical context, specifically for our community. And you and I, this is understood, know that, as you said, the 45-year-old king wouldn't have been the 35-year-old king, uh, I think losing his life at 38, if I'm correct. Uh, but even with that said, um, they were, these two brothers, again, as you said earlier, the propaganda now is either or, except one or the other. One is good, one is bad. That is the context that even I think our community gets lost in. And I and I and I see and I see even T-shirts now more Malcolm than, than Martin. But here you are. Here we hear uh, someone taking their words, and they sound so similar. Which was what was starting to happen mm-hmm. near the end of their lives. And although a mm-hmm. Malcolm went to meet a Martin. Uh, we, we know the one picture was a brief moment in D.C., um, but they never got a chance to talk. And, and when Malcolm went to speak to Martin, he had gotten locked away in Birmingham at the time, and and Malcolm made it clear to Coretta that at the point where the period he was, he even wanted forgiveness for the names he had called him in, in previous years, and, and, he, and he understood, in a sense, where King was coming from. And, and a lot of people don't know this, and you already mentioned it as well to a certain extent. Uh, as Malcolm was, again, involving, evolving himself, uh, he, he would play a little role. He would make a little call to the, to the, to the police department in the Mississippi to say, you, you better not touch Martin or, or, or otherwise I'm coming. This is not something that even Martin knew about. But this is Malcolm tactfully starting to see value in Martin's approach and Martin turning around, seeing value in the things that Malcolm. So I say all that to say that they were lining up way more than most know. And and without being complex, you will t- take one or the other, and that is so unfair to both those men. Go ahead, King. I say, I say. I think that uh, Dr. King's spirit had an energy about it to where even if you disagree with him, you didn't hate him. You know, you, you you didn't question his sincerity in what he wanted. And when he began to break from his own organization, uh, that 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 took a lot of courage. You know, no doubt he had brothers around him saying, man, they're going to kill you if you start saying that. No doubt Bayard, Rustin, and the boys who who, who, who had seats at the table were, was calling him and saying, oh, man, that was a little bit too radical what you said in Chicago the other day. That's a little too radical. You need to You need to tone it down, you know. And 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 Dr. King is a, an example of someone who who wouldn't. He continued to evolve his views, his ideas. Uh, he exhibited that he, that that he didn't fear uh, repercussions from white people more than he felt the wrath of his own spirit if he didn't tell the truth or what he perceived to be the truth. And I believe that's what people really really respect. Absolutely. Really respect. I mean, and that, and that's how okay. and that's that's how in a sense. Um, you know, a side of their deaths, if you will, but that's how both of those men became iconic because that's the that's the part you could not doubt. You could not, as you say, you yeah. could not doubt yeah. their sincerity, even at the point where Malcolm and Martin differed the most. You know, which was early on in Malcolm's, um, in a sense, ascension within the NOI, if you will, right? But even when they yeah. 
in a sense, differed the most, which you could never, ever doubt for one second, even in their complete disagreement at one point of their lives, is how sincere they were about the advancement of their people. And and, and we all regret, you know, that that they actually never got to meet and and, and let's hold those responsible that should be held responsible, as you say. It wasn't just the Earl Ray, right? And so, uh, you know, both those leaders, in a sense, taken from us, uh, and and it would have been obviously an amazing thing to see where they would have aligned. Um, as a, as a, for example, okay. just to even not to make it about Malcolm or whatever, but just to bring this to the table. But as he was developing a political organization uh, himself, having not been allowed to, in a sense, for 12 years, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if it wouldn't have looked similar to the one that, as you said, Dr. King wrote about. Uh, because Malcolm was always talking about uh, not really respecting the two-party system and that neither were for, for us. And so, you know, if you tell me, um, you know, King's setting up that type of organization, and there's no doubt in my mind, um, having seen uh, Malcolm's speech on how he planned to set up an organization, um, there were so many similarities. And, again, we do, as we said in the beginning of the show, our children such a disservice if we don't explore the history and tell the story ourselves. Let's tell our story because the propaganda will make you, again, I love the spirit of the shirt, so I'm not even knocking it, right? I'm more Malcolm than Martin. I, I, I get the spirit of it. I'm not knocking the spirit of it. But with the correct history, I don't know that we make that shirt. It's because I don't think we understand, as we mentioned before, King was hated, especially, as you said, with the Vietnam stance. He was hated in this country. And speaking to the discussion question, pacifist or revolutionary, absolutely a revolutionary at the time, whether we've lost sight of that history or not. Um, Your thoughts, and I got Brother Pianchi wanting to get on, but I'll let you respond to that before we go to Brother Pianchi, uh, Baba me. I'm sorry, brother. I might have you muted. My bad. Nope, that was me. Okay. Oh, no, no, no. You, okay, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, go yeah. ahead, Baba me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I haven't got here in a couple of minutes. I have a parent okay. that, just, that just popped up on me. Uh, you know, we're getting ready for the summer school. But Dr. King in my book is definitely – Well, a, let's, do this. let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this because I don't want you to get off the show without that. Talk about the summer school with nothing else because if you got to go, I want to – because that's part of why we had you on okay. the show, right? We've been playing the commercial, so okay. I want to highlight that. Um, we've already kind of no mentioned how good it was from a previous, uh, you know, guest or whatever, but it, I want to make sure that gets done, if yeah. nothing else, because if you need to go to that parent meeting, okay. I absolutely understand that. So please talk about right. the opportunity, because from what I understand, uh, you may even be, you know, offering a discount. I'm not putting it out there, but just kind of throwing it out there. <laughs> Either way, uh, talk to people about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, the uh, Uhura Academy Online Summer School is a virtual education, a live virtual education experience uh, that we host every summer. We do three sessions per summer. We do one, one two-week session in June, one two-week session in July, one two-week session, session in August. Uh, uh, it's the, the children basically log on online with us, with me and, and my, my co-teachers, and we do academic enrichment. We do African history. We study STEM, you know, they learn basic coding, uh, and we uh, study entrepreneurship and what we call vision development, helping our children visualize what they want to become uh, in the future. It is fun. 
It is interactive. It's informative. The children love it. They go to school from half a day, from half a day, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, Monday through Friday, and it's a wonderful experience. Tuition is only $20 per day, all right, $20 if they go, I mean $200. They go to first full, the, the full two weeks. We give, a one, we give half off for each additional child in, each, uh, in the same household as well, which is a great discount uh, that we're offering. Session two begins on Monday, July the 6th uh, at 9 a.m. You can still uh, enroll your children at uhuruacademy.com. Just follow the tab, you know, follow the, the, the link and go right there and enroll. And when I tell you it is an amazing experience, a fun experience, and something that they're going to keep with them, oh, it's off the chain, I'll tell you. So, so that's my shameless plug of the Uhura Academy <laughs> online summer school. I, I, and, I, and I label them unshameless plugs because I, I big up Mental Dialogue everywhere I go on everybody posts. Yeah. You already know I'm, I'm notorious for putting the show up on a whole somebody else discussion. <laughs> right. So I, I call them unshameless plugs. But thank you so much. If you do need to go, I'm going to go ahead and if you want to give a, you know any last thoughts, if you have it, go ahead. But if you need yeah. to go, let me definitely respect it and let you get to that parent king. All right. Yes, I just want to say that uh, uh, I thank the creator and, and the ancestors for the opportunity to be here this morning uh, to reflect on Dr. King, to, to reflect on his, the, the strategy of nonviolence. I would ur- urge everyone to go and actually read his books, go and actually analyze them, not because, not, not you, you know, you're trying to become Dr. King, but you're trying to learn, right? It's just important to know what you are not than it is to, import, as, as it is to know what you are. You know, and, and, and so a part of our repair, our reparation, is developing that discipline to study our story as students of our story, not as people who have to pick sides. You know, a nation is built when different tribes who believe different things learn how to work together for a common goal. Not, not, when, everybody, not when everybody agrees on everything. But when different tribes who believe in different things learn how to work together for a common goal, that's how strong communities are built. That's how strong nations are built. That's why I love this show. I say you make it. I say thank you so much. Get to those parents. Appreciate you. Uh, this perfect time when we're up against the break. I got Brother Pianchi, who I'm gonna ask to carry these last thirty minutes with me since you had to go. Uh, this perfect time of oh, Brother Pianchi calling in. Uh, but thank you so much for being on, King. And please, everybody, Uhuru Academy session starting Monday is a great opportunity to get your child in a African-centered study. Make sure your children, if you listen to the show all the time, I'm always stressing your children need to see themselves. But, again, we had an advocate on the show a few weeks ago that run, that was used to run the STEM program. So I'm always advocating for STEM. I'm always advocating that our children see themselves. I, I don't think we get enough STEM training in public school systems, and our black children definitely do not see enough of themselves. So highly encourage that you all take advantage of the Uhuru Academy. That's U-R-U academy.com. Please take advantage of it. We all get the break. When we come back, I'll get Brother Pianchi on out of St. Louis. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. America to pay attention. The only difference is Martin King said, we're going to strategize so that we get beat, right? We're not going to tear other people up, but we're getting beat, right? I mean, the Pettus Bridge was, was the, idea, the idea of being on the Pettus Bridge was, you know, that if we, if we protest here, 
that they will that, that that these police will come and harm us. Yeah, and that America really will brilliant see strategy brutal. because it showed America that the problem was the police. Do you think the spectacle right, right now is showing America that the problem is the police? Yes. The problem is no, <laughs> the, the, it's the, not. The, when you look at these riots, it is not. You, this is the exact opposite of Martin Luther King's strategy. The exact opposite. Martin Luther King said we're going to go in and be peaceful, and we're going to watch them send dogs on us. They're going to set their fire hose on us, and when the whole world sees these clips. They're going to realize that the problem is ra- are white people that are racist and the, and the governments that are, spon- are allowing this terror to go on, okay? Win. He crushed that. It was a brilliant strategy. Right now, black America's strategy is we're going to go in and be violent. We're going to go in and loot. We're going to go in no, and take the no, TVs. No, no, no. And then America's going to think, hmm, Black Lives Matter is a terrorist unit. And that's exactly what the concept <laughs> that's is. It is. But, it is. But I guess what I'm, what I'm pushing back, first what I'm pushing back against is We don't that. look good. This is not making black people look good. The, the first thing I push back against is this idea that the only time we can engage in the type of resistance is if, we're, if our bodies are the ransom for justice. I'm right? just telling you it's not Martin Luther King's strategy. No, no, I, I'm with you. I, I'm agreeing that it's not. I'm, I'm saying it's not, the exact, it's not the same tactic. The overall strategy is still to use violence and the spectacle and of violence look to get justice. Right. But, and, you're, and you're like, it's, and what I'm hearing you say is that's cool if the dogs are biting us and the hoses are spraying us. I'm saying you're not, the message you're going to deliver is that black people are violent. So you, using the idea, and you, and you have just already said that you thought Martin Luther King had a good strategy, and I agree with you. Yes. What we are doing is the exact opposite of that strategy. So we are showing that black people are violent, that black people loot, that black people rob, that black people kill one another. That is, that is what is being shown. How you think we're winning with that narrative, I don't know. I don't, I don't know well, who right now is thinking, I'm so glad we, we uh, took those TVs at a Target and burned down Target because now people that's just, are that's seeing. That's a small part of what happened. The other thing is even what when was we, the spectacle that was shown. No, no, I, I'll tell you. But when we, when we talk about King, right, because we, we, there's King in, 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 in marching in 65, but there's also – What's happening in Watson 65? What's happening in Detroit in 67? You know, there, there are, the same rebellions you're talking about are happening around And him. what happened? What was, no, what was no, the conclusion no, wait, of that? Hear, hear, hear my thought out, though. My point is that it's never a single strategy, mm-hmm. right? There, there's always multiple things happening, right? There are people calling for defunding right now, and there are people on the streets. Just like King, there are people who, there are, people who are marching and getting beaten by police, and there are people who, who, who are tearing up Detroit and, and Watts. Mm-hmm. I'm saying we need multiple strategies. Now, I agree with you. I would love, I would love. If, and and I got to say, I have a bookstore in Philadelphia, and a whole bunch of stores on my block got, got smashed. Sneaker store got raided. Uh, uh, what else got raided? An, an, another uh, a hair store got raided. Um, my bookstore did not, right? My coffee shop did not. Now, why? Well, it's not nearly as random as you might think, right? Much of the, the people, a lot of the stuff is, oh, you're tearing down your own shit. Most of this shit in our neighborhood isn't ours. Right? Most of it are people who are occupying our neighborhoods. Most of the stuff we're taking, most of these homes that are burning, we don't own. So, so, so Target, where they hire majority black people, so you've taken black people's jobs in, in that situation. I mean, I just, I'm trying to see one positive thing in burning down and looting and robbing, and I want to go back because you brought up the, you know, the, the mid-60s protests. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the riots, rather, because they weren't protests. They were the notorious Detroit and Chicago uh, riots were that took place. They were rebellions, riots, same thing. Which are forms of protest. Okay, sure. What was the end consequence of that? Uh, the Voting Rights Act of 60... Uh, of the, no, the that, was that, that happened before that. 64, the, the, the riots happened in 67 and 68. The, oh, you're talking the, about those riots? Yeah. You're talking about different riots. Okay, so King dies in 68, and we get more civil rights legislation months later. No. It, it is in the aftermath of, of rebellion. But what, what, what was the, this is the thing, is people, you, you're looking for a piece of legislation, but what happened? 
Detroit and Chicago were the, the economic booms for the black community. The riots happened. The rich people got up and they left, and they depressed those cities oh, for decades I didn't know to come. Okay. okay, so the thing is, is that this is a problem. Everybody wants to be in the now. I'm in the later, okay? I'm already hearing the conversations amongst business owners. They're leaving. They're going to leave the cities. So you want to talk about signing up for another 60 years of black poverty? That's exactly what we did. We signed up for black poverty, and it started in the 1960s. First and foremost, it was the legislation that was supposed to be helpful. Nope, that led to economic depression, too, because it incentivized bad behavior all of the, the, the Great Society Act and all that stuff. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Just had a great guest, Baba Amin, who had to uh, get back to handling business with the school again. Encourage anyone out there listening, enroll your kids into this dynamic summer program online. Obviously, that's how we're doing all of our schooling right now. I think it will be quite a different experience than your kids are, that were forced to learn how to do online learning from their school. The school themselves were figuring it out, if that makes sense. The WHO Academy has been offering a dynamic summer program for years, so they know what they're doing. If, again, I can encourage that. Um, hate to lose that, brother, but you just heard a cut um, a dialogue between Candace Owen and Mark Lamont Hill on her show. And if you recall, Bob I mean, was pointing out before he left, he left us with the thought that uh, uh, we make our community stronger and we progress when we're able to have dialogue such as what you, what we just heard. So it's almost perfect timing for, us to, for him to leave us with those these words as we hear um, Candace and Mark Lamont both making some valid thoughts and dialoguing and, you know, agreeing and disagreeing on certain points. Um, but in reference to this morning's show, talking about a one Martin Luther King strategy and how he used it differently than, may, you know, than, than what's used now. I, I asked this one question leading up to today's show, the idea of would MLK use um, marching currently. Um, I'm of the belief that it's not a strategy he would currently use because where I, I do agree with, a Mark Lamont Hill and a Candace Owen on the idea uh, of, 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 of as bold as it was, the brilliance of King's nonviolent strategy was in fact that he did count on, and Mark Lamont alluded to this, he counted on the violent reaction of his adversary. He counted on that in order to move forward with what he was pushing for. And so, um, so while in a sense, he found it necessary for our community to be peaceful. He still counted on the act of violence to move. And I, I, and I asked the people, put that in context, that um, we talked about it earlier, me and Baba, I mean the idea of seeing the pictures of the attack dogs and the water hoses and, and how that looks to our generation, uh, which, which I, I have ventured on to say in the past in some of my writings, uh, I, I feel like, to a certain extent, our generation, we have been fortunate, thanks to our ancestors, to enjoy a, a somewhat unscarred freedom, uh, you know, in, in a sense, based because of our ancestors. Uh, we, we, we know that period. We see those videos, and we know the history prior to that was only worse. You go through the lynching period and the period before that, then now we're back in enslavement. So as you walk back through American history for our ancestors, uh, their survival, their progression included a very violent, scarred history. And now for our generation, uh, able to, in a sense, experience America without those evident 
physical scars, if you will, that's not a threat that we face. We sometimes take our unscarred freedom view and viewpoint and, and, and mislabel that time period because I find it something very bold in the idea that when this man said, I am using nonviolence as a strategy, that he's counting on being harmed to effectively move the needle. Now, you don't have to agree with it, but I don't know that we can call that passive. Let me get Brother Piazzi on. We got two callers trying to get in. Sorry about the monologue. I know y'all been waiting. Let me go ahead and get um, Brother Piazzi in here. Uh, what you got, Brother Piazzi? Thanks for calling in. You know, uh, I really do appreciate uh, Baba Amin and what he's doing. Now, he's in Florida, right? Uh, he's in Texas, Fort Worth. Oh, actually, you know what? Okay. You know, he has a school in Texas, and he just recently moved to South Carolina, but he's always had both he had schools in both places, so now he lives in South Carolina where his other school is. He just recently now, moved. Now, he says I'm he's saying. online. The reason I asked because there was a black couple there in Stone Mountain years ago, decades ago, that had online education with virtual reality-type characters, and I can't think of the name of it. But uh, as far as King's, King done what he done at the time. There was not going to see people look at this word revolution and think it's like a Venezuela or like a Cuba. No, you're meaning change. You're meaning change. And that's what he was trying to do is, is, is bring about a change. Was he like everywhere amongst black societies? No, he was not because all blacks are not the same. When he came up, I think he came up to St. Louis, but I know he went to Chicago, and the people up there didn't receive him right. There's not going to be a revolution like a Cuba or Venezuela in the United States. And I'm going to tell you the reason why. Because the system of governance that the United States have, where you got a constitutional republic and all citizens are armed, it wouldn't work. An invasion by China or Russia would not work. British tried that when they marched from New York trying to go to New Orleans, and the people along the way just decimated them with it because they was armed, even at that time. But no, King's idea at that time was great. Malcolm X was catering to a group of people that was following Islam and Elijah Muhammad. Elijah Muhammad's economic plan was great. They were the largest employer of blacks in the 50s. No other one single entity hired more black people, had more black business than the Nation of Islam. So, and you know, funny thing too, when you look even within King's group, during the Montgomery bus boycott, E.D. Nixon and his organization, which existed before King came there, they wanted to go over to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where blacks mm-hmm. had a bus company called the Safe Bus Company. 500 buses, highly efficient. Whites couldn't even compete with it. Duke, of Duke-like and energy today, I believe, they couldn't compete with him. But King and them did not want to do that. They wanted to make integration of the buses in Montgomery was their main focus. E.D. Nixon said, no, let's go get our own buses and we compete against them. So you got these differing mindsets amongst black population that people have to realize does exist. And you guess what? The thing that I like what Baba Ming said today is that we may have differences, but we have to come together because of a single cause. And he is absolutely right. 
He's brilliant. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Brother Pianchi. You definitely helping me say today because I definitely need callers. If you're out there listening, please call in and get us through this last segment. I got a caller on the line, but thank you so much, Brother Pianchi, for your recess this morning. Yeah, um, before I go to uh, 803-932, I think that may be my man Kevin out of South Carolina. Um, but I don't want to cut the brother short, so I'm going to give a couple of thoughts in reference to what I'm hearing. Matter of fact, I said I was going to share some words from Dr. King today, and so let me share some words. I obviously wanted to hope, was hoping to do this with Brother Baba Amin, but as you just heard, if you were listening, uh, that brother had to take care of a, a parent situation. Uh, with this online school, again, highly encouraged. Go to Uhuru Academy, U-H-R-U. Are you a Huru Academy and, and see what they're doing and get your kids enrolled? Um, but these are this is some words from uh, a, a one Dr. King in reference to the concept of Black Power again, alluding to what you're hearing a, a brother Pianchi say, a brother Amin, Baba Amin say, the idea of different ideologies uh, existing, but at the same time staying focused on the objective, if you will. Um, but this is just some thoughts on from Dr. King specifically before we go to break. The Negro cannot entrust his destiny to a philosophy, nor is solely on despair to a slogan that cannot be implemented into a program. And that slogan, let me give some context. He's talking about black pop, the term black power. He says, over cups of coffee in my home in Atlanta and my apartment in Chicago, I often talk late at night and over into the small hours of the morning with proponents of black power who argued passionately about the validity of violence and riots. They didn't quote Gandhi or Tolstoy. Their Bible was Franz Fanon's The Wretched of the Earth. This black psychiatrist from Martinique who went to Algeria to work with the National Liberation Front in its fight against the French argued in his book, a well-written book, incidentally, with many penetrating insights that violence is a psychologically healthy and tactically sound method for the oppressed. And so realizing that they are part of that vast company of the wretched of the earth, young American Negroes who were involved in the black power movement often quoted Fannin's belief that violence is the only thing that will bring about liberation. The plain, inexorable fact was that any attempt of the American Negro to overthrow his oppressor with violence would not work. We did not need President Johnson to tell us this by reminding Negro Rogers that they were outnumbered 10 to 1. The courageous efforts of our own insurrectionist brothers, such as Denmark Vesey and Nat Turner, should be eternal reminders to us that violent rebellion is doomed from the, from the start. Anyone leading a violent rebellion must be willing to make an honest assessment regarding the possible casualties to a minority population confronting a well-armed, wealthy majority with a fanatical right wing that would delight in exterminating thousands of black men, women, and children. More thoughts from Dr. King as we go to our last break. That is you, Kevin. I'll have you coming out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. If you want to get on this last segment, please give us a call at 646 787 Again, that number is 646-787-1691, and press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We'll be right back. The Money Motivation brand currently exists. It's a a success in lifestyle clothing brand uh, primarily, and it was created because we saw the demand. It was created in 2017, and we saw the demand for 
the self-made modern entrepreneur, business leader, high achiever, um, there was a gap in a prominent streetwear brand that really embodied their journey. So I wanted to take that concept and create a clothing brand that could embody that with a mission that's very simple, which was to inspire a life of excellence and freedom, uh, to promote independent thinking, hard work, taking risks, uh, having a relentless commitment to what you do in a uh, never-giving-up type attitude. Those are all hallmarks of, hallmarks of the brand. And the product line consists of premium T-shirts, outerwear, headwear, accessories, canvas prints, and the like. But there's also a media aspect to this, which dovetails into this podcast actually being created, where I really want to help people be successful in business and build businesses and wealth and be able to enjoy it while they're here, as well as build it for future generations. But it's about being able to live a life of autonomy, and that's been a big part of my motivation to be uh, in the financial industry and also have a brand that can represent that. So the hope is this can influence people to think differently. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. And at this point, I typically say if you have a product or service that you would like to get out to the smartest audience in all the radio, please consider advertising with us. Uh, I will, I will at this point, honestly make a plea to those of you who are listening. If you don't have a product or service, I, I literally ask that you consider going to mentaldialogue.com I, I will say this time period while we've gained more listeners, which is obviously to your advantage if you have a product or service, uh, we have lost memberships um, during this time, and it's not easy to maintain uh, a show that's been going for five years. So we are reaching out and actually I'll say even go with the word pleading for your support um, at mentaldialogue.com. You can become a regular supporter, only $5 a month. If you are in the Atlanta area, we encourage you to consider higher levels um, as we do have benefits uh, for those who are here in Atlanta. Um, the $5 supporter level will get you, you know, a mental dialogue pen and some other goodies we've just gotten. So we'll send you a package for being a supporter. Um, but I am at the stage where I have to say to the audience, if you believe in this intelligent radio maintaining on the air, it is time for me to literally say and ask for your help. Um, I will even go as far, and I've never done this on the show, um, but even if you want to do a one-time support uh, via Cash App, I, I, I got to start taking advantage of the different opportunities and means uh, to get support. And so even Cash App, um, dollar sign, mental dialogue, if you just want to do a one-time support, I absolutely would appreciate it. Uh, we've been going five years strong, and I, I definitely appreciate the support. Um, but I'm just being honest, we have taken a hit in memberships, um, a, a nice little hit, and I understand it. Um, people are definitely considering, you know, where, where to spend that discretionary fund. So it's not something that I don't understand. Uh, but, again, um, if we are to maintain and y'all find value in what we're doing, please consider visiting mentaldialogue.com or, at a minimum, a one-time support um, cash app, dollar sign, mental dialogue. And you could just simply say for a mental dialogue, uh, it would be highly pre appreciated. 
Uh, but definitely, we definitely need, need new membership during these times. Uh, we have been plotting and planning how to come out of this pandemic strong. Um, so I anticipate we will have some things in place. But we got to stay here. We got to get to that point. And when we come out of it, obviously, with the numbers rising, it may be a period before we can get back and start touching each other and start our live event here in Atlanta. Um, but I have some things planned that I think will finally help us grow the, the show and the membership and the live event to where we can start traveling and doing some of the touches in other cities because what we're doing in Atlanta, we have amazing testimonies, people buying their first homes, people getting insurance, people traveling. I mean, it's all kind of testimonies. That, you know, and I just have to say at this point, I need your help to maintain. Uh, I definitely know other, when I look at other cultures in this space, uh, you know, I've, I've never made the money they've made. And, again, it's, you know, it's not just about that here. We're serving a purpose and everybody, you know, not to judge others. But, you know, I definitely compare myself in a sense to others. Uh, it, they don't, I don't think they do what I do. And, and, and the support is definitely there. But, again, uh, not to belabor or put us down. I just need to ask and request that you support what we're doing if y'all believe in. And, and, and I think I'll stop there and continue this morning's discussion. MLK and nonviolence, pacifist or revolutionary. Got caller on the line. I think this is Kevin out of South Carolina. I got you right, King. What's going on? Yes, brother. That's brother. Ah, um, King himself. Everybody loved the poor King. I, I I want a period of we don't even use him no more. I'm sorry, because people take him totally out of context, and they don't bring all the fullness of him into it. He admitted in the end that he messed up. He said, "I'm afraid I walked my people into a burning building." He was not that so-called aggressive. People forget there was a lot of people around him. That made him do the nonviolent thing. He used to have guns at his house, and they tell him, and it was those people who did not want to fight that told him, "Look at how it's gonna look. You being over the nonviolent thing if you won't got guns in your house." They convinced him to be who he was. He was not that man. He believed in protecting his people. They don't talk about the deacons of defense, things that were going on at the time and those people that were around him that made America settle for this more or less aggressive man. See, uh, there's so much in that Candace Owens. I mean, first of all, art of deception. All of those Negroes need to be, uh, they're treasonous. In my world, they're treasonous, but they're liars. They'll get up here and talk all that good. They're educated enough to lead our people astray. Why? Because they don't say none of that when these good white Americans are taking their AR-15s to the state house or to any other public function. Now they patriotic. That's their God-given right to do. Then when it comes to black, then they try to give you an excuse why we're not supposed to do and practice the same freedom that they freedom. So we don't need to even hear from them no more because they are deceivers. And they're part of the reason why we're in the predicament we're in. The reason why those insurrections like King just spoke, but he misspoke. The reason why we were defeated in those uh, rebellions was because of the blacks who turned them in. These same Negroes who told, who snitched. They've never beat us with our, our own people deceiving us, ever. And they've never won a war without us. We are greater, much greater than we ever, ever give ourselves credit. They is a reason why they keep us so close to their bosom, because they know they cannot maintain the control of the world without black.
they noticed Hitler even told them that. See, there's so many things that are misconstrued in, in our are the Alpha and the Omega. We are the beginning and the end. When, if we're not around, nothing's around. Our, and our people need to re, we are awakening right now. And we're understanding. It's a reason why America's giving you everything you want in the last two months. Everything you want, they're giving you right now because they know how powerful you are. Do we need to talk about uh, the military? We are the military. We are the so-called eunuchs. Then they got castrated over the years, but we are the defense. We are the ones who go across that water. We are the ones who, who keep them so in their lives, of, like right now, the day they celebrate this little 4th of July, which is a July. You understand what I'm saying, brother? I mean, it just—it drives me crazy when we get on here and we put ourselves down like we can't, we got to have them. No, we don't. You don't need traitors amongst your midst. We don't need everybody on board because everybody proves not worthy of being amongst our people, like the Candace Owens and anybody else who's like her. They need to be, there's no place in history that violence, so-called violence, didn't get those people their freedom. You've never got no freedom peacefully. If you have, show me. Prove it to me. I don't hear about no feelings or emotions. Show me on the record, historically, where the people got their freedom being peaceful. Because right now we ain't free. That's why we're going through all this right now. Because any moment, any one of us can be taken down, shot, killed, our kids, our women. That's why this whole thing is blowing up. I'll, but I'll let that go. <laughs> All right, brother. So I go, but this, this, it's, 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 uh, it's so frustrating. It's, it's draining because it's but, you only know, one we, side that they give that. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're good. Go you know, you know, Kevin. You know, I absolutely yeah. welcome all that passion. I, I, I have a couple of things I could push back, but we only got a few minutes left. Uh, but, you know, I welcome the passion. I always appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, if I could ask you, again, if you would, I'm glad to, you know, have you back as a weekly caller. You know, schedule is obviously allowed. Yeah, but I'm going to get back on and be a regular caller. Some money to you, brother. Yeah, no, I definitely would appreciate that passion. Yeah, keeping us keeping us afloat, man. I definitely appreciate that. Uh, for the 209 last 3044, if you're trying to get in, you do have to press 1. If you're just listening, no problem. But if you want to get a thought in before we close this show out, you do need to press one, and I'll get you on. But I always appreciate the um, passion, Kevin, and thank you for the support. Um, definitely looking forward to it. Again, you can go to mentaldialogue.com and, you know, come out monthly, or you can even just do the cash app, um, dollar sign, mental dialogue. We appreciate it all. It, it keeps us afloat. Thank you so much, King, for calling in again. All right, bro. Absolutely. So, again, 209-0-3044. just saw you. If you're trying to get in, just press one. Let us know you want to speak. Um, a lot of passion there again, and, and and then we have two rules at Mental Dialogue, uh, especially the live experience here in Atlanta. Um, and that literally is um, bring your passion, but just simply be respectful. And so we welcome everybody's opinion and version, because as we've talked about throughout this show, is you know we want to dialogue with you all to figure out the best place going forward. You know, if I if I had a little more time with Kevin, I would even challenge the concept. I, I know I played the cut from, a, a, you know, even a one Candace Owens, and I definitely understand the sentiment, quote-unquote, in a sense, to throw her away. I, I understand that. Uh, just understand that this platform is such that uh, we, we're willing to hear all train of thoughts, regardless of how I may feel about, feel about an individual. Uh, 
we never take the chance that that person who we differ from might not, they may have a thought that we need to advance even what we believe, even though we differ. So that's a challenge that we always put out and ask people to to, to conceptualize what, what I consider and tell people we teach at the live experience is the art of consideration, the art of consideration, which is learning to consider um, even when you hear something different than what you believe, the art of considering how did they come to that or why did they come to that conclusion versus just saying, I cannot believe they came to that conclusion. When you try to dig in and understand how people come to conclusions, there's a lot you learn, even when you disagree with it. And, and I challenge people that once you finish formal education, the only chances you have to learn are when you are challenged with ideas different than your own. Because when you're surrounding around, around your circle of like thoughts, um, um, what is it called? Um, group think takes place, and y'all can be very progressive in what you're doing. Um, but there is a, a, a level of um, complacency that that can can't help but come from the lack of challenging ideas. So, in a world in which we no longer do that, this platform challenges that you continue to do it. Our motto is simply: All I ask is that you think. Please consider supporting again at mentaldialogue.com and cash app dollar sign mentaldialogue. All I ask is that you think. See y'all next Saturday.